Today's scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 to 41. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. You may be seated. As you're being seated, let me pray. Father, we need you. We need you to understand your word. We need you to share your word. We need you to hear your word. We need you to apply your word. And so, Father, would you, by your spirit, do that in us today, that we might bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is John. I'm part of the team here. And um, for those of you that don't know me well, one of the lesser known facts about me is that I'm into something called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, I know you're looking at me and thinking, obviously. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu, if you don't know, is a grappling martial art, grappling martial art. Um, and um, I, I've liked it for a, a few years. I've liked it actually ever since I was a kid. I've just enjoyed watching it and stuff like that. But actually, a few years ago, I decided to actually try it. And um, I had a great time. I had a great time. Uh, it's a really good workout. I don't know if you've done anything like this before. It's a really good workout. It's quite technical, so I quite like that. And it's got different belts, right? Different colored belts, which show the sort of progression that you can go. I uh, don't like to brag, but I achieved something called a white belt, um, <laughs> which uh, is the only belt you don't earn. You, 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 you buy that one, um, you, you turn up. And um, anyways, the way that it works is uh, you, you grapple and you, uh, you, you roll with, with different people and um, after a few minutes you switch partners. And, um, and one day we were rolling and, and I switched partners and I ended up having to roll with um, what I can only describe as a physical specimen of a man. An Adonis, if you will. He had flowing, blonde, wavy hair. Muscles, where muscles should not be. And I didn't get his name, but he's probably called Chad or something, you know? And I thought to myself, what have I done? What have I done? We started to roll, and I'll tell you, just privately, I started to get the better of him. I'm thinking, I'm going to do this guy. I don't care about you, Chad. I'm going to do you. He was also a white belt. And uh, as I started to kind of rehearse how I was going to humbly, um, <laughs> how I was going to humbly kind of communicate to him, oh, good job, Chad. He picked me up above his head. <laughs> And he threw me down to the mat and he chipped my two front teeth and he injured my back. And my back now is not the same. Oh, yes, I know. Oh. Um, Sarah said to me, maybe, John, you should stick to soccer. And so now I play soccer. And the irony is, a few months ago, 
I fell over and I hurt my back again. And so sports, I think, is not a thing. Why do I tell you this? Well, um, other than to publicly warn you that these are not lethal weapons, um, in our text today, uh, we're talking about bodies. We're talking about physical bodies, like these things. And I wonder what comes to mind when you think about your body. What is your body? Is, is, is it who you are or is it the thing that carries around who you are? What do you, what do you feel about your body? Do you feel at home in it? Or do you feel imprisoned by it? Is it a burden to you? Is it, is it full of life and vitality? Or is it on that downward spiral? Are you proud of your body? Or are you ashamed of it? Do you wish you had a different one? A better one? A more beautiful one? A stronger one? A healthier one? Does it bring you joy or does it, like my back sometimes, bring me pain? Today I want us to consider our bodies. Now, for a few weeks now, we've been in 1 Corinthians 15, as you know, and we've been looking at the topic of the resurrection. This is the resurrection chapter in the Bible. And so, so far, the Apostle Paul has been arguing why the resurrection is important, right? Without it, our faith is futile, the preaching is in vain, we are of those to be most pitied, we have no hope, etc., etc. But in our text today, Paul turns from the question of why to a question of how, how. Will it all work? He says in verse 35, he says this, But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Now, it's likely here that Paul is responding to people who are scoffing at the resurrection, right? They're mocking the idea of the resurrection because the idea that these physical bodies that we had would rise again is not only seemingly improbable, right, but inconceivable, especially in the first and second centuries. It's difficult to get our head around how this, how this mortal body, flesh and bone, could rise again. Corinthians are not too dissimilar to maybe modern skeptics who hear the idea of the resurrection taught here and they think, Really? How will this, practically, how will this, after a hundred years of rotting, after a thousand, after a million years of rotting and decaying, be resurrected? What about those who are cremated, thrown out to sea? You, you might hope for this, Christ City, but surely when you look at your body in the mirror, this isn't something that a modern, enlightened person believes, is it? Here's what I want to argue today. I want to argue that a right biblical understanding of our bodies, our current physical bodies, the things that, we're, that we are or in, depending on how you view it now, it will help us understand the resurrection. But conversely, a right understanding of the resurrection is going to help us understand our current bodies. A right understanding of our bodies now will help us understand the resurrection, and the resurrection will help us understand our current bodies. So two points today. The first is, your body is a good creation. Your body is a good creation. 
Number two, your body is a dying seed. Your body is a dying seed. So number one, your body is a good creation. Now, before I get into Paul's response to the Corinthians, I want us to consider how the world thinks about the body. How the world thinks about the body. There are various answers to the question, what is the body throughout history and philosophical thought in popular understanding. But there seems to be two pervasive views that land and settle. Views that we see at play and actually intention in our city today. The first view is the idea that our bodies are ultimately good. In fact, they are an ultimate good. This is the view that sees our bodies as all that we are and therefore all that we have. And because who we are is entirely defined by our bodies, our physical appearance becomes the dominant expression of our identity, doesn't it? Our physical, experience, our physical appearance becomes a dominant expression of our identity. At its best, this view, it recognizes the goodness and the beauty and the dignity of the human form. But often, because it's seen not just as a good, but as an ultimate good, you can end up idolizing the human form, right? We can end up idolizing it. And we see this manifested in our city in, in various ways, don't we? The, the cosmetic industry or the, or the fitness industry. Industries that at their best are, are there to care for our bodies and appreciate our bodies. But at their worst, they become industries of body worship, right? Gyms become churches in the worship of Adonis. Beauty products come with it the promise of a fountain of youth for the aging. Health foods marketed like ambrosia. Ambrosia was the, the mythological uh, Greek food of the gods that when you ate and drank it, it would give you immortality. That's, that's how health foods are, are given to us, right? They're marketed to us. You, you drink this drink, and you'll live forever. You see, this view sees the importance and the beauty and the goodness in our bodies, but it can end up placing its hope in the body. And because of that, it starts to sound a little naive, doesn't it? And sometimes a little tragic. You know, the beauty products for the aging. It can be naive and even delusional about the frailty or the brokenness of our bodies. It's often why this view is held by the young and the fit and the healthy, right? That's the first view. The second view is the idea, not that the body is an ultimate good, but that it's ultimately evil. It's ultimately evil. The body in this view is not idolized, it's demonized. You know, this idea actually finds its roots in, in, in Greek philosophy, like, like most ideas. Finds its roots in Greek philosophy that the body is simply a prison for the immaterial soul. In, the, in this view, the immaterial spiritual world is the good part, and the material physical world is, is evil. And therefore, our bodies, our physical bodies, are evil. We see this idea in our culture too, don't we? 
See it manifested in various ways. I was reading a little bit about the transhumanist movement. I don't know if you know about transhumanism. Transhumanism is the idea that, that we will one day overcome our human limitations. And by that, they mean our physical bodies. We will one day overcome our human limitations through the advancement of technology. That we could have an, existent, an existence outside of our human, our, our physical bodies. There's other trans movements, right? that we see. The transgender movement that aims to overcome the constraints of our biology. We see this idea all over the place. I think this idea is perpetuated by online existence, right? Online existence that where our physical bodies become less and less significant in our presentation of who we are and in our interactions with other people. We can hide behind a screen. We don't have to care too much about what we look like because we can present ourselves in a, a different way. In this picture, the body, the physical body, is not who we are. It's not who we are. In fact, it becomes often a barrier to who we are that needs to be transcended or overcome. Now, before we quickly jump to condemning this view, if the first view is held by the young and the, the fit and the healthy, this view is often held by those who really take seriously the frailty of their bodies or the weakness or the brokenness or even the dissonance that we sometimes feel and experience in our bodies. Why would you want to discard this body? Well, maybe because sometimes it feels like a burden. Why would you want to transcend your body? Well, maybe because it feels like a ship that's sinking. Why would you want to hide behind a computer screen? Maybe because that's where you're accepted. And people don't accept you for what you physically look like. These are the two views in our culture, two views that we see in tension. The body is either ultimately good or ultimately evil. It's either a savior that we hold on to or a shell that we let go of, a home that we feel like we never want to leave or a prison that we are desperate to escape. How do you view your body? Think about it right now. How do you view your body? As is often the case, I don't think that either of the views are completely wrong. I think they're wrong. I just don't think they're completely wrong. In fact, I think they're incompletely right. I think that these are genuine attempts for us to try and figure out what I would describe as an existential tension. A tension between the goodness of life and the evil of death. A tension between the goodness of our bodies and the brokenness of our bodies. So what does the Apostle Paul say about our bodies? Well, the first thing I want us to notice today is in verse 38, where Paul writes this. He says this, But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of, a, of another. 
There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for the star differs from star in glory. Now, at first glance, you're like, what is Paul saying there? What's he doing? Well, Paul is actually describing the nature of our resurrected bodies. He's describing the nature of our resurrected bodies, but as some of you may have picked up, this is simply an echo of something, isn't it? This is an echo of Genesis 1, the creation story. He is reciting the language of the creation story. Paul is taking us back, which is often a good thing to do, to the first book, the first page, the first line in our Bibles, the first thing that we understand about everything that exists is this, that everything is created by God. That everything is created by God. The foundational theological statement about your body, Christ City, is that in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. Christ City, if you are going to know anything about yourself, if you're going to know anything about your bodies, the first thing that we need to get right is our theology. The first thing that we need to understand is that all created things have a creator. It's from this truth that every other truth about your body flows. That your body was created by God. There's some other parallels, though, in our text that I want us to see between the creation account and our text. You see, it's not just that we were created by God, but that he has sovereignly determined which type of body he gives us. God isn't just the supplier, as it were. He's the designer, right? When you read through the Genesis account, you see this language used over and over and over again about created beings. He says this, that they were created according to their kind. You notice that when you read through? According to their kind, according to their kind. We see that again in our text, don't we? Verse 38, but God gives it a body as he has chosen to each kind of seed its own body, for not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. What's interesting here is that this is the reverse order of Genesis. If you read through Genesis, it goes fish, birds, animals, humans. Interesting. Now it goes humans, animals, birds, fish. Paul is retracing the steps of Genesis. And with Genesis, he's saying this, God not only gives us a body, but he chooses a fitting body according to the purposes which he has designed it for, according to the order of creation that he has given creation. God didn't just create your body, he designed it orderly, purposefully. There's one more parallel I want you to notice about the creation account. Not only is God the creator of an orderly, purposeful, designed body, But as creator, he determines the goodness and the glory in his creation. He determines it. There's another repetition that we see in the the creation account in Genesis. Not only according to its kind, but also it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. All of creation, Christ City, reflects the goodness and glory of its creator. We see it again in our text. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon 
And another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. The idea here is that there are differing glories in creation according to God's orderedness. Glory, if you don't know, is, is simply the, the sort of the splendor and the majesty and the, the glory, the glory that, that emanates from something. The beauty that emanates from an object. But what you notice when you look at glory in the Bible is that glory in created things is always a reflective glory. It's always reflected in some way. What do I mean by that? When, when you look at the heavens, right? The other day we were out with our kids and it was dark and they saw the stars maybe as clearly as they ever have. And they were like, wow. You know that moment where you, you truly re- remember, <laughs> you look up. And you see the glory of the heavens. And you're in awe of them. We look at the heavens and we see their glory. But the psalmist says that the heavens, what do they do? They declare the glory of God. Creation reflects the glory of its creator. And what's true of the heavenly bodies is true of your body. In fact, it says in Genesis that there is a unique and distinct way that humanity is supposed to reflect the glory of God. That we are, what does it say? That we are supposed to be image bearers. Image bearers reflecting God's glory in a very unique and distinct way apart from creation. What's Paul doing? Paul is giving us a literally glorious view of the resurrected bodies that what they will be like. But but this is simply, he's he's saying this is just an echo of, of creation. This is an echo of what he has already done. You see, Paul is addressing the doubters of the new creation with evidence from the original one. He's addressing the doubters of the new creation with evidence from the original one. He's saying that unless you start with God as creator, you will never understand the world he's created or the world that he could create. Unless you know that God has created all of this, you will never know that he could create all of that. And so the Corinthians, for the Corinthians that are skeptical of a new creation, he's saying that you've obviously just got a very low view of God and the creation that he's already done. And that's what they had. They looked at their bodies and they just thought, really? That should be a challenge for us. If we doubt what God could do, is it because we don't really see what he has done? If we doubt that he could raise the dead, is it because we've forgotten that he spoke the world into being? It will be a struggle for us to have hope in the goodness and glory of our resurrection bodies unless we start with the goodness and the glory in our current bodies. It's a challenge for us, for those of us that don't like our bodies, that maybe have a very low view of our physical bodies, like the Corinthians did. Maybe you're tempted to even hate what God has given you, despise what God has given you, look at its frailty and its weakness and then question that God could do anything with it. Christ City, your body is good. It was designed by God and it was designed to reflect his goodness and his glory. But that's not the whole picture, is it? 
That's not the whole picture. Point one, your body is a good creation. This is the focus. Point two, your body is a dying seed. Your body is a dying seed. Verse 35, we read this. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Paul's response, classic Paul way, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. Now, I, I skipped these verses because what I wanted us to see first is that your body is a part of God's good creation. I think this is the foundation upon which we stand when we think about our physical bodies, whether these ones or the resurrected ones. I mean, to start with creation. But here, Paul addresses the skeptics more specifically with a metaphor from creation. He's pointing to part of creation. And the metaphor he uses is that of a seed. And the question we should ask here is, why? Why would Paul liken our bodies, all of us now, as a seed? Well, I think he gives us two reasons in our text. And the first has to do with death. You ready? Verse 36. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now for us to understand what's going on here, what, what Paul is alluding to here, we have to go again back to Genesis. You see, in Genesis, we don't just have the wonderful creation story, do we? We don't just have the wonderful creation story. After 1 and 2, we have chapter 3. We have the tragedy of the fall. From the creative work of God to the destructive work of humanity. From the order of creation to the disordering nature of sin. From the giving of life to a turning from life towards death. What we have in Genesis is that existential tension that we are all living with. The goodness of life and the evil of death. And it's manifested even in our bodies. Romans says that creation is subjected to futility, including our bodies. This is the tension, the goodness of our bodies and the brokenness of our bodies. Christ is The Christian story is not just of God as creator. Did you know that? It's of God as the recreator. God is not just the creator God. He is the redeeming God. This is what we have in our Bibles. You see, the Old Testament begins with a creation account, but we need to know that the New Testament begins with one too. What's the creation account in the New Testament? It is the creator stepping into creation. It's the incarnation. It's the word becoming flesh. It's Jesus taking on humanity upon himself in order to redeem it for himself. There is a new creation account in the New Testament. And this is why Jesus came. This is why the resurrection is so important to us. It's not just why it's important. It's actually why it's possible for us. Because the creator God took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh, it says. 
He took upon himself our sin and our suffering, the pain and the, the guilt and the shame, and he nailed it to the cross. But more than that, if that wasn't enough, he won a victory over death, a decisive, final, conclusive victory over death to make a way through death to life. That's why your body is a seed. Christ City, how does God break the tension between the goodness of our bodies and the brokenness of our bodies? His body is broken for us. His body is broken in order that your body might be unbroken. How does he break the tension between the goodness of life and the evil of death? He, he conquers death with his glorious life. When Jesus came into the world, it was the dawn of a new creation. He introduced a new way for us to understand what our physical bodies are. He introduced a new hope for them. He introduced the idea of a seed. Something that though it dies, is imbued with a life that could break free. It's imbued with a life that conquers death. It's imbued with a life that empties graves. Christ City, your body is not just creation. Your body is a seed. And you know, for the seed, death is not the end. That's the point. That's how we are to view our bodies as Christians, as seeds. Good, yes, but not what they will one be. There's another reason the seed helps us understand the bodies. Verse 37. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. Paul says the seed we sow, that means the bodies we have, is not the body that it will be. It's not the body that it will be. What does Paul mean here? Well, outside of my house, front of the house, there's a large um, horse chestnut tree. Beautiful, glorious, really annoying with the leaves. At certain times of years, the, the front lawn is, is covered in thousands of chestnuts. And my boys love them. They've thrown them at one another and the other day, I was trying to explain to my boys that, um, oh, the, the, the chestnuts, they actually come from the tree. And they looked at me like, yeah, of course. Of course they do. This is where all the chestnuts are. This is where the tree is. They see them falling. It's very easy. Then I held up a single chestnut. And I said, you know what? From this chestnut comes that tree. You know, this will one day or could one day be that tree. My boys became a little bit more skeptical. <laughs> That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying in the same way that, that a chestnut and a chestnut tree are immeasurably different in beauty and grandeur and glory, it's the same with your bodies. Do you know that? There is an immeasurable difference between the glory of our current bodies and the glory of the bodies that will be. That's why he talks about the differences in the glories of the sun and the moon and the stars. He's saying that there is a difference between what we are now or what you're sitting in now, depending on how you view it, what you are now and what you will one day be. 
Of course, when we look at our frail bodies, I don't know, look at yourself in the mirror every now and again. Some of you don't want to do that. We look at our frail bodies and it's impossible to imagine ones that are fit for eternity. Right? Here's the point. You can't see the glory of the tree by looking at the seed. You can't see the glory of the tree. If all you had in your hand was a chestnut, you can't see the glory of the tree. The immeasurable difference. The immeasurable difference in beauty and size and scale and grandeur and longevity and potential. You can't see the difference. Why is that good news? Why is that good news for us today? Well, for those of us whose bodies don't work, for those of us that feel like our bodies are a bit of a prison, (laughs) for those of us that feel frail and we're suffering, there is hope for not the same body, but a renewed one. Many of you know, um, my parents are visiting from the UK. I've had them over for a few weeks. They're leaving on Tuesday. It's been really good to have them. And um, one of the topics of conversation has been uh, my grandfather, who, who passed away just recently, and uh, my, dad's, my dad's dad. And um, my dad was showing me a video of him um, in the last weeks of his life. Uh, obviously, I wasn't there for it. He was back in the UK. And there was a video of him, and um, it's really sad really sad because uh, he was really frail, really broken, um, lost lots of weight. He was kind of unrecognizable, really, as the man that I knew him as. And uh, the video showed my auntie asking my granddad the names of his sons, names of his children, and and the video showed him struggling to recite their names. Watched him struggle to recall my dad's name. It made me think about my boys and the thought that maybe one day I won't be able to remember their names. It's painful. Christ City, resurrection hope is that the seed that we sow is not the body that will be. The resurrection hope is that the seed that we sow, that you hold it in your hand, you see the seed and it starts to just decay and rot and looks frail and not, doesn't even hold the grandeur of the original seed. <laughs> the hope is that the seed we sow is not the body that is to be, that one day Jesus, as Paul says, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That though our bodies are hurting and wasting and suffering, there is a healing and a wholeness and a glory coming. So for the Christian who places their hope in Jesus, we can say with Paul that this, this present suffering, whatever you're going through in your body, whatever you see in your relative's body, this present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. It's nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. So, Christ City, how do you feel about your body? 
in its beauty and its frailty and its vitality and its sickness and its living and its dying. I hope you know that it's good. I hope you leave here today knowing that your body is good. It's a good gift from God. It's part of God's good creation. It's designed to reflect his goodness and his glory. But I also hope you know that it's a seed. Humble, yeah, but hopeful of a glory that will be revealed when we see him again. Would you please stand as we respond?